blessed are those who hunger for God. Morning, church. It's so good to be here. There are many familiar faiths and friends in this church. Thank you again for love and support our family for so many years. If you never remind me before, I'm the guy who currently lives in Mark Collins' house. Yeah, thank you, John, for the kind introduction just now. I was nervous when John, you know, prayed for Tianjin Church. Since last time when he prayed for Tianjin Church, please came to visit us. <laughs> so hopefully. They're doing well. When I live in states from a seminary, I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville is a very small town compared to Shanghai. Very small town. But I really enjoy the life there because there's there's many natures. Uh, you know, there's a state park near where I live. So running is my favorite uh, exercise. I enjoy nature a lot when I run in the wood. So I, I try to keep exercise when I move back to Shanghai. So I usually I run around the Yili Park. One day when I run for about three miles, I was tired and, and thirsty. And I saw a woman walking her dog and carrying a bottle with her. You know, the bottle is kind of, in the bottle can keep the warmth of the water. You know, since the local culture, people like to drink the hot water, right? It's reasonable. So I saw the, the woman just stop and open the bottle and pour the hot water into the cabin, gave it to the dog to drink. And I was shocked. I was just, I was staring at the dog and uh, look, at, look at the dog. And the dog was licking the hot water with a satisfying look. You know, that made me more thirsty. Yeah. I have a tendency to join the dog, you know, to drink some hot water. So what would you in your mind when you think of the word thirsty or hungry. So would you think of the satisfaction, the fulfillment, when you get what you are thirsty for? Or the desperation, when you desire something for a long time, but finally you just gave up hope? So how about hunger for God? Hopefully we'll find the answer in this sermon. Uh, let me just read Psalm 42 and 43 first. Then I will explain why I prayed two psalms in one sermon. So you will find the, the scripture in your bulletin, I think. Psalm 42. To the query master, a muscle of the son of Korah. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants for my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I shall come and appear before God, my tears has been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I will go with the strong and lead them in the procession to the house of God, with the glass shots and, and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, 
I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep,、uh, deep calls to deep at the roll of your waterfalls. All the breakers and your waves has gone over me. By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night His songs is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because because the oppression of the enemy, and with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taught me? Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my course against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning? Because oppression of the enemy. Stand out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the, the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the、uh, lyre. O God, my God, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation, and my God. So why? Do I put two psalms together? So the short answer is Psalm forty-two and forty-three can be seen as a a one prayer as a whole.、Um, I will give you two evidence. First, there you will find there's a subtitle, a subtitle in Psalm forty-two, right, to the to the choir master. So the subtitle originally in the psalm is not added by the editor later, but you you won't find the subtitle in Psalm forty-three. The second reason is it's not too hard to find similar sections repeated three times in these two psalms. For example, you can look at verse five, eleven, and、uh, in Psalm forty-two, and verse five in Psalm forty-three. Why are you cast down, O my soul? As a closure of each section, it's repeated three times. So the main idea of this sermon is: blessed are those who hunger for God. If you take notes, I will share three main points about this sermon, about the main theme. The point number one: hunger for the presence of God, because God is the living water, the source of life. Hunger for the presence of God, because God is the living water, the source of life. This is verse one to five. Point number two: hunger for God's remembrance, because God is the rock. The foundation of life is verse six to eleven. Hunger for God's remembrance, because God is the rock, the foundation of life. Point number three: hunger for God's deliverance, because God is the hope of life. Hunger for God's deliverance, because God is the hope of life. This is the Psalm forty-three. Let's start from the first point: hunger for the presence of God. So the psalm was written during exile, when the Israelites was captured to Babylon.、Uh, that's the reason the psalmist expressed his deepest longing for God as he lived in a, a foreign country. But we can tell when the psalmist recall his memory, 
when he worships God in the temple or encounters the mocking of people who do not know God. The longing, of, the longing for God, God turned to sadness and depression, even turned to doubts. The mocking of the Gentile, where is your God, seemed to become echoing from the heart of the psalmist. Where is my God? Why have you turned away from me? The psalm is probably the easiest genre in the Bible that could relate to believers' life. So we could feel the emotion of the author and learn how to pray. So we, we love to, to read Psalms. But we need to remind ourselves first before we too quickly relate the psalmist's feeling to ours. So remember the, the primary purpose of God's written word, this Bible, is to reveal who God is and what God has done in his redemptive history. So this is the key principle when you read the Bible. We're listening to a sermon. So we need to ask first, how do these verses reveal about God's character, God's will, and God's work? Otherwise, if we only care about ourselves, only care about if this Bible verses or sermon can serve my current life or help me feel better, our focus is wrong. And we are trying to use God's word to serve ourselves. You know, the consequence of this pragmatic way of reading the Bible could be dangerous. You know, as long as the Bible seems not to work someday in your life, you might give up reading. Don't forget the Bible is God's revelation. And the center of the revelation is God himself. Okay, let's start from the first two verses. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants for my soul, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So in Hebrew literature, the author always used the couplet to illustrate one idea. So look at verse 1 and 2. The verse 1, a deer thirsts for the living water. Verse 2, the psalmist thirsts for the living God. So the living God is the living water. It's the source of life. If you have been... Uh, if, if you have been to some Christian bookstore or gift store, you might have seen a picture with a beautiful deer, right? Now, like a drinking the water from a stream with a background of trees and grass. It's a beautiful picture. You know what? Also, they put the two words, the two words will be printed in the corner, giving an illusion that longing for God is a pleasant picture. But if we continue to read the psalm, we'll quickly realize that the picture I just mentioned is misleading. The image in the psalmist's mind, a dying deer, dying for water. The background is more likely in the Palestine area with the desert. No water there. It's a dying deer. So longing for the living water is not a pleasant picture. Longing for the living God is not a pleasant picture. When the psalmist lived in a foreign country, far away from Jerusalem, far away from the temple, which represents the presence of God, you know, the psalmist was crying, my soul thirsts for you, O living God. I was dying there without you. So verse 3 and 4, we could, we could see that longing for God is always companioned by sadness 
pain, and even doubt. In verse three, when people around mock it, "Where is your God?" The psalmist said, "My tears have been my food day and night." When a believer feels God's absent, a separation from God brings not only the desire for God's presence, but also the doubt of not seeing God. Longing for God expresses one's faith, but the absence of God brings pain of doubt. You know, faith and doubt, like twin brothers, are inseparable in our faith life. Similarly, in verse four. Longing for God makes the psalmist begin to recall the sweet memory. It's like a broken-hearted person who often recalls the sweet times in the past. But such memories are like adding salt to the wound. The psalmist used to live, used to worship in the temple. There used to be so much joy. In contrast to the psalmist's current state of being away from God, these memories. Bring not sweetness, but sadness and pain, because the beauty of the past will only reflect the desolation of the present. Surprisingly, the psalmist did not immerse himself in the emotions. In other words, the psalmist did not let his feelings dominate his mind. On the contrary, the psalmist began to teach his heart with truth and guide his feelings back. To the track of truth, verse five. Why are you cast down, my soul? And why are you in torment within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. In verse five, we see、uh, we seem to hear another person talking, or the voice of the God Spirit within a person. When the psalmist doubts, suffers. The spirit of God speaks. We must pay attention and ask: Is God's voice an actual question? And if God did not know why the psalmist was sad, or is God's voice a rebuke? As if the psalmist's feeling was a mistake, unacceptable before God. No, the answers are both negative. The voice of God's spirit is gentle and enlightening. God is not ignorant of our situation, nor is God incapable of being considerate of our weakness. The voice of God's spirit is like a gentle groaning, as written in Rome eight twenty six. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep. For words, the groaning of the Holy Spirit is a great comfort that we can safely pour out our hearts before God. The groaning of the Holy Spirit is also enlightening, making our foolish hearts wise, making our complicated minds critical clear, turning our eyes from our circumstances to God Himself. Remember, God once asked Adam, who hid. Because of fear, where are you? God's question brought Adam's confession. God once asked the self-righteous Job, "Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth?" God's question brought Job's humility. God once asked Jonah, 
who was angry with God. Is it reasonable for you to be so angry? God's question allowed Jonah to see God's great mercy. God's words is enlightening. In verse five, we find that God speaks in Psalm's heart, which testifies that God is not absent at all. Even though the Psalm feels the opposite, God's voice allows us to see the truth that we cannot see. So, brothers and sisters, don't be discouraged. God is never absent. For Christians, we do know that when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected three days later, Jesus replaced the temple as the only way to draw near to God. As long as you are in Christ, God is present. God is ready to listen to your prayer because of Jesus. Remember when Jesus talked to the Samaria woman, he mentioned the coming Holy Spirit. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, the Holy Spirit, will be never thirsty again. The water that I, I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now the living water, the source of life, is not far away from you. It's in you. That is the reason in the Beatitudes, Jesus proclaimed, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You shall be satisfied because the righteous one is in you. How blessed we are. Point number two, hunger for God's remembrance because God is the rock, the foundation of life. Verse 6 to 11 is the second section of the psalmist prayer. Now we can divide the section into three parts. The first part, 6 to 8, the psalmist remembers God from a long distance. The second part, 9 to, 11, 9 to 10, the psalmist complains that God has forgotten him. And verse 11, God responds as the same as the verse 5. So in the, in the first two parts, we can see a contrast between two words, remember and forget. Both words in the Bible are covenantal language. What that mean? Covenantal language. That means remember and forget is not used to describe mental problems. Like we see today, I forget or remember something. Somebody. Remember or forget in the Old Testament always talks about the covenant God had established with his people. So the psalmist's frustration was he tried hard to remember God's covenant. He tried hard to live a covenantal life, keeping his promise to follow all the covenantal instructions. What that means? The law. The law is the covenantal instructions. Even the psalmist was in a gentle, living in a Gentile country, far away from his hometown, being mocked by the Gentile people. But somehow the psalmist seemed to, to lose hope, feeling, feeling that God has forgotten his part in the covenant. You know, when God established covenant with King David, God promised that his kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. The psalmist's frustration is why I am still here in a gentle country, ruined by the foreign king. Where is the forever king's kingdom you have ever promised? Are you unfaithful to the covenant? This is the question the psalmist has. 
So from the new covenant, uh, new covenant perspective, we know that God did keep His promise in the covenant with His people. He prepared Jesus as the forever king, bringing forth His forever kingdom. Also in Nehemiah, he proclaimed over God the great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Over God is the faithful God. He never breaks His promise. But for the psalmist, he did not see what we have seen. So in verse 9, he cried to God, My rock, why have you forgotten me? The psalmist called God my rock. Rock usually represents God's salvation in the Old Testament. Rock is the foundation of a city. The same thing. Salvation is the foundation of one's life. When God's people were thirsty to death in the desert, God asked Moses to strike the rock. Water came out from the rock. God's people were saved. When Moses desired to see God's glory, God said, You cannot see my face, for men shall not see me and live. Then what? God hit Moses in the rock. The rock is the salvation provided by God. The psalmist's pain is understandable when he feels God has forgotten him. Because being God's people means they are involved in the covenant with God. Being forgotten by God means being kicked out of the covenantal group. There will be no salvation outside of God's covenantal people group. The church is the new covenant, new covenantal people group. If there are some non-Christian friends here this morning, you need to pay attention. Whatever reason brought you here this morning, it's so good having you here. If you are interested in the good news your Christian friend shares with you, if you're longing to improve your life status, or trying to get some wisdom from Christianity to solve the problems in your life, whatever the reason is, you need to first understand what is your biggest threat of life or the bad news of your life. Otherwise, you won't understand the good news as your Christian friend preached to you. Your biggest threat of life is not from an unjust authority. It's not from a corrupt culture. It's not from an unfriendly society. It's not from your shady and steady career. It's not from your broken relationships. It's not from your disappointing kids. Your biggest threat of life, the bad news to you and me, is from a holy God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness surprise the truth. Rome 1.18 The biggest threat of life is the threat of God's wrath because of our sin. The consequence of sin deserves God's holy wrath. Understanding this threat could help you cherish the salvation God has provided. Jesus is the rock, just as how God hit Moses into the rock and saved him from his own holiness. Jesus is the rock 
God has provided to you and me, all the sinners. Whoever believes in Jesus, their sin will be covered by Jesus. The death of Jesus on the cross will pay the price of sin. God will cover their shame and the guilt in Christ, in Jesus. More than that, God will cover the believers with a Jesus of perfect righteousness, the white robe. So Jesus, the salvation provided by God in the rock, is the rock, the foundation of life. Brothers and sisters, how blessed we are if we believe in Jesus. The last point, hunger for God's deliverance because God is the hope of life. You know, in the first section of the prayer, the psalmist asks God, why have you turned away from me? In the second section, the psalmist asks God, why have you forgotten me? In the last section, we could see that the psalmist near the edge of desperation. Why have you rejected me? In the first section of the prayer, the psalmist called God the living God, the source of life. In the second section, the psalmist called God the rock, the foundation of life. In the last part, the psalmist called God the refuge, the hope of life. Look at verse 3 in Psalm 30, 43. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. What do the light and the truth represent here? The truth represents God's faithful words. In other words, God's promise. How about the light? Let's see, let's see Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 as a reference. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, has risen upon you. It's not hard to find that the light represents God's glory. And God's glory is always revealed through God's redemptive events. Therefore, the psalmist was praying is that, Lord, lead me with your glory and with your word. This prayer is the language of the Exodus. When God delivered his people from Egypt, God's glory was revealed through the judgment to the Egyptians and the salvation to his own people. God's word set them free from the foreign country and led them with a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of a cloud at daytime in the desert. Concerning the background of the exile in Babylon, we realize that the psalmist was praying for another exodus, another deliverance from the foreign country. The psalmist can help himself to think of the exceeding joy when someday he could return to the temple of God. The psalmist hunger for God's deliverance because God is the hope of life. Without deliverance, the psalmist could be desperate. The psalmist was right. Without deliverance from God, all human can is desperate. You know, the interesting part is, if you're familiar with Israel's history, Israelites did return to their hometown as the psalmist was longing for. But the returning did not restore God's glory. According to Ezra chapter 3, 
when the remnant Israelites returned to Jerusalem and established the temple's foundation, some old people wept with a loud voice. Why? Because first, from the outside, the second temple did not fully restore glory, which was revealed on the first temple. Second, and most important, from the inside, the Israelites continue sinning against God. Although they physically returned from Babylon, they did not get Babylon out of their lives. In other words, people are still waiting for another deliverance from bondage and slavery to sin. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. The psalmist's prayer pointed to a spiritual deliverance, a spiritual exodus, which is what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Only the salvation God has provided through Jesus could remove Babylon from people's heart, could deliver people from the slavery of sin. What the psalmist was longing for, finally, is fulfilled in Jesus. Hope in God never fails. So, brothers and sisters, I don't know if any of you are in any difficult situations right now, experiencing the pain, even the doubt of God's absence. You know, since the COVID, many churches have experienced difficulty gathering together. Many expats here have been stuck here for a while. Can it reunion with your family and friends in your home country? Or many good friends, missionaries have been stuck outside, can't come back. How's your heart? Do you feel God's absence? Are you suffering the pain and doubt because of your deepest longing for God? From the psalmist's prayer, we can be reminded and apply at least in two ways. First, we need to understand and believe that when God's Spirit dwells in one's heart, well, this is God's promise to the true believers who have experienced the rebirth in Christ. When God's Spirit dwells in our heart, our heart is transformed by the power of God to love God. We cannot tolerate the absence of God in our life because God is the source of life, the foundation of life, the hope of life. Feeling God's absence will definitely bring a true believer pain and doubt. Pain and doubt reflect our faith and reliance on God just from the opposite side. Second, we need to pray when we long for God's presence. From verse 5, we learn that we ought to praise God. To praise God means we acknowledge God is good. We need to preach this absolute truth to ourselves again and again, especially when we are in pain and doubt. God's beauty and unchanging character could be the great comfort to heal the bitterness of our hearts. Not only pray to God or talk to God, but also we need to spend time listening. That means Christians need quiet time. 
when you pray, not just give a report or a wish list to God, but to listen, to wait for God's voice. That means the prayer before the meal is not enough. That means the public prayer during the worship is not enough. You and I need more quiet time before God to pray and to listen. You might pray and be quiet when you walk your dog. You might give the dog the hot water, but don't forget to drink the living water when you are thirsty for God. If you don't have a dog, you can walk your kids. <laughs> you might pray and be quiet when you run and before you start the engine of your car in the morning. Spend some time to pray and be quiet. When you wake up in the morning, don't look at your phone before you get up, but pray. When you accidentally wake up in the midnight, you'd better pray. Then God may teach your heart when you're ready. May God's own words comfort your heart. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you. You are the source of life. You are our foundation of life. You are the hope of life. Uh, I pray that you teach our hearts and comfort us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.